Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat. Welcome back, my friends. Episode 97 of the BJJ Brick Podcast. We're only a few short episodes. I think that'd be four away from episode 100, which is going to be a landmark for us. Uh, Byron's laughing, so I must have did some bad... Uh, arithmetic there which i'm known for um, but hey byron how are you doing today gary i'm doing great i'm uh, excited uh, the second half of this interview is coming up and uh, i know there's a lot of good stuff in there we're fortunate to have some listeners uh, submit some great questions and, and some of some some of fan uh, sam spiegelman's uh audience you know he writes a lot of articles they wrote him some questions as well so he, he gets down to a lot of good things and i was curious about myself so a lot of fun and we got Another episode just like the last one, you know, basically. Yep, so uh, definitely listen to the whole episode. You're going to learn a lot here today, especially in uh, Sam Spiegelman's question and answer section. Absolutely. Just to let the fans know that this is uh, – we're having a bit of a scheduling uh, thing going on with our schedules. So Gary and I have recorded like three episodes in a row back-to-back here. In a row, back to back. That's necessary for me to say. So, if we sound tired, you'll <laughs> totally understand why. You know, recording these podcasts is very exhausting, but we are in good shape. You know why? Why is that? Because we listened to part one last week of Sam Spiegelman on how to get in better shape. You know, it's question and answer. So, definitely, it'll help you out. There we go. That's uh, <laughs> that's good math. And if they can figure out that we've been doing back to back episodes, it will be have. It'll be a little difficult for us to listen to it in this. We are also time travelers. So. <laughs> Gonna go back in time. Yes. If you want to support the show, check out Byron's audiobook. Uh, Byron has audiobook. Uh, it's basically called Your First Year in BJJ. It's $11.99. We'll put a link to it on the show notes uh, so you can check it out. But um, it basically kind of guide you through that first year, kind of uh, helping you, you know, through all the pitfalls and, you know, the elations and everything you're going to have in that first year. It's going to make that first year much easier, which is going to set you up on a, a great path, a great journey to just keep training through uh, the rest of your life, hopefully. Absolutely. We do appreciate the support we get with that. Um, it's just, just a way that you could help us out. And, and uh, hopefully we can help you out with a, with an extended podcast about uh, your first year in jiu-jitsu. That's cool. Uh, we appreciate the anytime we get a sale on those. Another way that you could uh, connect with the B- BJJ Brick podcast is to get on our email list. Go to bjjbrick at gmail.com. No, that's our email address. Go to our website or our Facebook page, and there's a little area there. You can put your name and email address, and we'll send you out an email uh, every time the new show comes out. Uh, actually, the day after the new show comes out, and you could uh, get the show notes and get a link to the actual show all in your uh, inbox at your convenience, my friends. So, And the cool thing about if you do sign up for that, you do get a couple little uh, audio clips, audio books. There are some smaller ones. And uh, uh, like I know I mentioned, my favorite is uh, how to compete in a BJJ tournament, uh, even if you were on a busy schedule. That's my favorite, but uh, there's other ones in there that Byron has done, so uh, definitely check them out. I do have some off-topic stuff in there. Um, I have one that's about uh, my passion for eating curry. I gave a little speech from a small audience about uh, the joys of eating uh, 
Thai curry, and uh, that's in there. And also have one that I gave on a career day about being a firefighter. So yep. uh, if you're interested in firefighting, I talked for about four to five minutes to a group of high school kids about uh, becoming a firefighter. Yeah. And, you know, Byron talks about how he's got one there for curry. I'm actually getting one ready to talk about my favorite basketball player, Stephen Curry. So I kind of copy off Byron, but it's not the curry you eat. It's Stephen Curry. So be on the lookout for that one. The the fans of the podcast know that Ari is making an audiobook, and uh, we always talk about the audiobook at the end of the show. But it, we I guarantee you that it's not going to be about about Stephen Curry because I don't know who that is. And I always Stephen make Curry up. is my favorite basketball player. Oh, the guy is. is incredible. He is like a red belt in basketball. He's good. At, he's good at shooting hoops. Yep, he's good at hooping. Good at hooping. So I learned <laughs> something about him and. Uh, I imagine he enjoys a good Penang curry or maybe a green curry like I do. So right on. I'm learning stuff every day. You got to keep yep. expanding your mind, my friends. Gary has the quote of the week. Gary is presenting this thing. So here we go. I'm excited for this. Gary said he has a quote for us. You know, I can't take credit for this quote, but I've heard this numerous times. And it's a short and sweet, but drillers make killers. And, uh, I love it. It's basically just saying you have to work on your game. You have to drill. You can't just show up for open mat, train, tap people out, get tapped out, go to the gym, lift some weights, come back from open mat. You're going to get better doing that, but you have to drill. You have to train with a purpose. You have to work on your moves uh, put the time in and if we want to get better that's what you've got to do you've got to drill and if you drill if you become a driller you'll become a killer there you go and he's not advocating that you're mentally unstable if you drill i mean that's a killer to me but uh he's he's, uh, someone who's good at juice someone who's a killer on the mats (laughs) (laughs) i think this is a good time you know you mentioned this quote to to rehash what uh bgj brick actually means and, and why we started that uh that term, I guess. Um, a BJJ brick is a technique that you're very good at, and um, it's almost, you know, like a like an advantage to you to have a, a couple of bricks in your arsenal that you could use as weapons, uh, whether it be a, a guillotine or a kimura or a certain sweep or a takedown. Um, your your opponent largely is unaware of your brick in in most situations, and it's really gonna if you if you make a brick, you've got to drill those those things and make them happen, but. Uh, it's a tremendous advantage to have a game plan and to have some of those bricks um, show up in your game plan and, and be able to use. It, you know, if you think about um, some people who have bricks, you know, like Bernardo Faria, his deep half is like a brick. You know, the way he passes his guard is like a brick. You know how Bernardo's going to pass your guard, yeah. and there's nothing you're going to do to stop him from using that brick against you. It's just yeah, when you're going against somebody who's got a brick and they throw that brick out, it's almost like your teeth getting smashed in. I mean, it's it's unstoppable. So uh, maybe the bricks are also making the killers. <laughs> That's pretty. We're getting pretty graphic here on our uh, on our fun little podcast. <laughs> this one is going to be censored. Some of them, yeah. Some of the podcasts are labeled explicit because of the guests might drop some uh, some bombs on us, but uh, we just take it into a route of uh, violence sometimes. Gary. Yeah. <laughs> well, it seems like it's always me who's uh, taking it over the edge. So I apologize. It's always fun, Gary, and uh, and I'm sure our audience is up for uh, the uh, the analogy of a of a brick as a weapon, and um, 
and just I, I guarantee it, you you know somebody who's got bricks in their game. If you don't have any yet, you know you know when you're going to roll with them that they're going to get you into triangle choke. Yeah. You know and they're the, going to take your back. Yeah. The cool thing about having a brick, it's concealed. We don't need a concealed carry permit. It is already concealed, and there's no permit needed. We have it. Everybody can't see it till they get on the mat with you. Then you're in trouble. Absolutely. Especially at the, you know, if you're at the elite level of jiu-jitsu, people know your game. But at the lower yeah. levels, you're going to surprise people with what you're going to do. And that's yeah. a, a huge advantage. You do, you can't surprise your teammates. And they know it's, yeah. they know the brick's coming and it's, it still, still works. That's, that's incredible. Just think about that, Gary. Yeah. Yep. But that is totally That true. was our friend Gary Hall with uh, drillers make killers. So uh, you can go back and listen to the episode with Gary. He's basically on all of them, but maybe one or two. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put a link to all of Gary's episodes on the show notes. No, I won't so wait, that. what's this? You've made two episodes without me? I remember I made one because I said, hey, Gary, how's it going? And then I played like a little sound of crickets. And I was like, oh, oh damn it. Gary's See, though, there. I was on it. I made cricket noises. <laughs> But uh, that episode went incredibly fast as far as the It was the probably part. the most listened to episode, too. <laughs> I don't remember what episode it was, but uh, it was a while back. Gary's been uh, – he's been like a brick house. You know, he's here – he's going to be here, you know, and standing still – standing in the uh, schedule-wise, you know, like he's consistent, you know. Yeah, I'm consistent. That's why we're doing three so episodes most people tell about day. me when I'm on the mat. They always say, man, he's consistent. And then you hear him like – put their head down a little and turn to the side and say consistently bad but hey i don't care i'm always going to be there <laughs> he yeah if if it's if it's time to roll gary's going to show up and, and train and drill because i want to be a killer yeah i know G- gary trains all his guys he has them drill kimuras and he's got guys with like a year of experience and their kimuras are way better than mine so uh they're they've got good kimuras because Gary's having them drill their Kamoras. That's just an example about uh, something that I've neglected. And it's, you know, it doesn't really bother me that my Kamoras not that great. I got other things, but. Uh, You've got other bricks. Everybody has, you know, some moves work better for other people. But to all your guys, you know, the way you guys train it over there. Um, well, it's because we train what I want to train. <laughs> I'm a little selfish. Well. <laughs> it works well, though. <laughs> so. But that was. Uh, that was our, our quote from our friend Gary Hall. We've got an article, Gary. What's our article? This week our article is from uh, the website girlslashjujitsu.com. Um, it's titled, What Happened When My Son Got Beat by a Girl? Um, it's by Claudette. And sorry, I can't find her last name here. Or, uh, But it's definitely by Claudette. Um, so uh, we've got a great article. And, and I think you see it happen all day. Any tournament, jujitsu, wrestling, uh, guys and girls in the same bracket. You're gonna, you, if you're a guy, you're gonna end up going against a girl, and, and you're gonna get beat. And you need to uh, know how to handle it. Yeah, it says at the beginning of the article, her son won 11 of his last 14 matches. He's a, he's good. He's not going out there and used to losing. He's he's lost before, obviously, but but uh, he when he steps on that, he expects to win. So he stepped on the mat against a girl. She beat him. It also mentions in the article that um, at that age, um, strength is largely, you know, the, the difference between the sexes is largely irrelevant. You know, it, they're just kids. So uh, that's that's something to take into to effect. But really, this article gets into the to the meat of it. What happens after the match? Yeah, and that's the the big time. And uh, you know, it goes into uh, five different points. Um, but the first one is, uh, you know encourage encourage your son to train 
with more of the girls at the school, especially the ones who are better than he is. He he needs to lose. He needs to feel what it's like to lose. So so he'll realize that it's no big deal. Um, you know, girls are just as good as guys. It's going to happen. And uh, the more he's going to get tapped out going against the, the better girls at school, the more he's going to just realize it's normal. Yeah. And they also are trying to explain to him that in some situations, some sports, some school subjects, life situations, girls are better. Um, or maybe more, you know, some girls are better than, than some of the guys or some of the guys are, you know, like it's, it really doesn't matter. Number three, uh, Claudette told his son, you know, to treat everyone as equal. Um, notice how she didn't say treat women as equal. You know, we're all the same. I mean, you get down there, they're mad. Anybody can beat anybody. You make a mistake, you get somebody does a great move, and you don't even have to make a mistake. Somebody sets you up perfectly, you're going to get tapped out. It's uh, It just happens. We're all equal. Yeah, it, it's a, that's an important lesson to teach the kids that to treat everyone as equals. And uh, it's, you know, imagine as a kid learning that uh, on the mat early on and, and, and how that will help you throughout the rest of your life. If you learned as a as a, as a young boy that, that girls could tap you out, you know, and, and outsmart you and, and out, you know, yeah. do whatever, um, you probably have a, a more intelligent road, you know, through all, you know, through the rest of grade school or wherever you learn this lesson at, you know, and, and be able to, to make more friends and to uh, appreciate your journey a little better. Yeah, that's a great point, Byron. I really, really, very insightful. Another thing that they're doing is that her and her husband train together, and sometimes it's okay if she taps out the husband. I mean, and they see the boy will see that, and it, he knows it's not a big deal. It's not, um, you know, the dad doesn't get upset and cry about it. You know, it's just just part of training. And you get tapped sometimes, and it, sometimes you roll with women. Sometimes they tap you. Not a big yep. deal. Yeah, it's going to happen. And five, uh, Claudette encourages his son to support and cheer on his female teammates and encourage them like he does his male teammates. And and that just goes back to uh, number three. Everyone's equal. No yeah. difference. Uh, uh, male, female, we're all teammates, and uh, we can beat one another, and we're always going to cheer for one another, and we're always going to be there for one another. Yeah, and I can see that being, you know, you shouldn't have to be told to encourage your teammates. But as a little boy, you're kind of – Little boys are different, you know. Some are shy, and some will, some will go up and you know tackle the girl they like and or whatever. You know, guys show it, boys show it in different ways. But I can see a boy not wanting to associate himself with the with the little girls in the class. But she's saying, "Hey, you need to go cheer these girls on. This is important. They're your teammates. We're a team. Go out there and show them the support, and that's going to pay dividends in, in his you know what's going on in his head as well." Yeah, you know, and uh, one thing I noticed too, I was going through the comments, and uh, man, there's one comment that really—I uh, can't say I read all the comments, but one of them was, uh, you know, this person wrote in about their 10-year-old daughter and competed against a boy, and she won, and she's like, it was a great match. Yeah, we were proud of her as this boy was bigger, and then when we got home, the person's daughter said, "Hey, I don't want to go against that boy again," and. You know, the, they were puzzled, asked why. And the girl said after the match ended, the, fa- the boy's father dragged him under the bleachers and slapped him several times and yelled at him for losing to a girl. And, you know, man, poor kid to have to deal with that. And also, poor girl. Like, I mean, now would, you know, I could see maybe somebody not even wanting to do the sport again because they don't want to beat a boy because they don't want to see somebody getting slapped and uh, yelled at. It's uh, she's kind of in a, in a terrible situation. That makes it makes me sick to hear that that some yeah. some kid got out there and competed, 
probably, I mean, I'm picturing this piece of crap dad probably pushed the kid to compete, probably pushed the kid into jitsu, and and then is, is mad at the kid when he loses to a girl. I guarantee you, I'm all fired up now. I guarantee you, this dad doesn't train because if this dad trains, he will have lost to somebody who is not as strong as him, you know, not as uh, as big as he is, and he'll have felt that before. He's back there beating up his kid, getting mad at him because he lost to a girl. Screw that guy, man. Yeah, that's man. That just uh, just tore me apart when I when I was reading that one. And uh, man, I uh, man, that just makes me sick to my stomach. <laughs> I'm all fired up, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to fire you. Man, I can't. I, I, I'm still wrapping my head around some piece of crap dad back there mad at his son because he lost to a girl. Yeah, dude, get out of it, man. Yep. You, your kids are out there competing to have fun and to learn a little bit about life. That's the key. You're, you're have mad because they fun. lost. Have fun. Sports are about having fun, especially when you're 10 years old. It's uh, it's not like he's he's going for you know world championship. You know he's in the worlds or the Pan Ams. It's about having fun, and you sure as heck ain't having fun when your dad's yelling at you and slapping you because you lost to a girl. Yeah, that's you get you get the crap dad of the of the year award if uh, if I could pass it out to whoever that guy. Yeah, is. there's a black belt in uh, crappy dad. <laughs> Oh, God, man, I'm all fired up now. We gotta, uh, we gotta, we gotta get off this, this, uh, that, okay. Nice article. It's interesting that she, um, it was, she shared her story of her son losing and, and, and how, uh, you know, maybe they had mishandled a little bit of his loss. And then they, they okay, we're gonna do some things to correct this. You know, we, we maybe had some expectations of him, or he had some expectations of himself that were wrong before he started this match. Yeah. And so lessons learned. We're gonna move yeah. on with this. The, you know, we want him to have fun with jujitsu. And yeah. uh, so very interesting article from an interesting uh, point of view. You know, from a yeah. mother, from a jujitsu coach, from yeah, uh, a, you know, from the father's side, and and yeah, how father, the family came together side. and are yeah, doing just a family. I, I just love it that they started training together, and uh, the husband would allow the wife to win in front of the son. I, I just thought that's pretty cool. You know, just uh, really life lessons. And, of, uh, of course, we'll put a link to this in the show notes and it's uh girls, girl com. But, uh, I feel for the little guy, you know, they got his picture on there. He's, he's kind of upset, you know, that she's got her hand raised and, uh, I feel for a little guy being on the website, you know? Yeah. I don't like the picture. I felt bad for the guy, but, uh, <laughs> Oh, well, it's part of it. When you step on the yes. mat, you, you're going to roll those dice and sometimes it's it'll life. come up before yep. you. But, uh, but I'm sure he's, uh, I'm sure, okay, I'm sure that kid who lost that day to that girl is still training and the kid behind underneath the bleachers is done with the sport. I yeah. hope he is. I hope yeah. he's, and if that's the way it's going to be, I hope he's true. not, but there's a good chance he is just like you said, uh, I could see it happening. Man, I get fired up about that pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> Byron, let's change the subjects or let's so, get uh, the wind chimes going. I need some wind chimes to kind of calm. Yeah. <sighs> Let's calm down, everybody. You know, this This was a comment. Somebody on the internet said something, and they were dumb about it, and it made me mad. How dumb is that, Carrie? Yeah. That is dumb. <laughs> so I often, I haven't been on the internet debate for 10 or 12 years. I mean, what's the point, you know? Yeah. You know, I'm tough on the internet. Not tough in person. Yeah. So uh, just take. I don't know. It, it is kind of funny how how mad people get online, and and uh, I just did a little bit right there. But you know, you can't mistreat. But you know, it. that's a little different, though. I mean, you're not like mad at somebody and threatening to fight somebody. You're just mad at what you saw. I mean, what you saw, what you read. You know, you just fell for the kid. Yeah. I mean, really. I mean, 
who can not feel for the kid? Uh, and man, how about the the little girl who told that to her mom? You know, that that little girl is just you know such a good She's person. Awesome. Yeah. You know, cares so much about the other person, and uh, you know, did not want to see that happen again. That's that's the person of the year award right there. So to to keep bringing this up, I'm trying to think of what I would do if I saw that. You know, you, you see see that happening. Um, you know, the bad thing is because your first like I, I hear how fired up you are now, and your first inclination is to go over there and hit somebody. But the next thing you know, you're in, you're in, you're arrested. And, yeah, I mean, can't have no, that that's happen. not the answer to, to this. Yeah, that's definitely think, not the answer. I think the best thing would would be I'm trying to just pull guard. To think. Yeah, pull guard and heel hook, of course, Gary. But, well, only if it's a clown. You know, maybe maybe we'll let the dad cool down a little bit and say, "Hey, man, I noticed you." You know, this might get you your butt kicked, or it might be bad. But you, you just might say, "Hey, man, I, I saw your son out there. He tried hard, and, and uh, I thought he did a good job." And, and that girl's tough, and uh, and he'll say, "Yeah, he, he might complain about his son or something like that." And let him say that and say, hey, you know, this is just a sport kids do for fun. And, uh, and, and hopefully he'll, he'll learn that. But, uh, if, I don't know, maybe encourage him to try it. Cause I guarantee he, that dad's not training. Yeah. But, uh, but that, that's not a way to encourage any kid to do better at anything. To, yeah. to, to be mad at them because they did, they failed. Okay. Yeah. Okay. For the ninth time, let's move on. This is going yeah. into an epic rant by me. I don't think I've had one of those in a long time. But uh, anyway, uh, great article. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. We haven't read all the comments, but uh, Gary managed to find – you always find the craziest comments, Gary. I don't know how you do it. you uh, got like I'm a sorry. magnet for that. But uh, Gary, I think the best way to do this will be just to kick off the uh, the interview or the second half of our question Part and answer two. with Sam Spiegelman. Remember, as he's answering these, um, if you want personal advice, he does uh, do some consulting online. Check out uh, bjdbrick.com. Um, and, and Sam is known specifically uh, for contact information to get a hold of him, and he'll be happy to help you out. Yeah, so let's roll part two. He is the most interesting grappler in the world. He once grappled a polar bear to test out his bear hug. He once choked out an opponent using only his Wi-Fi connection. When he models for key companies, he uses only his bad side. He only gets ringworm on his ring finger. I don't always listen to podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the BJJ Brick Podcast. Stay listening, my friends. Um, going to the next question, what supplements do you recommend? kinds of stuff now it's pretty amazing <laughs> the supplement industry is very large uh, I, I stick to the basics you know I think for supplements should serve two purposes like I have a dual purpose sorry they should you know help your performance but they should also do something good for your health so you get you know more bang for your buck so to speak uh, pretty simple you know uh, if you look at there's a ton of research on good old fashioned creatine monohydrate probably one of the I guess first supplements to really become popular but it's also one of the most studied supplements it not only does it affect your performance they say it's really you know it's good for your brain it's, they're, they're saying it's got a lot of other benefits that you might not even have thought about besides performance so I like things like that fish oil uh, you know probiotics you know something that doesn't it's not necessarily gonna you're gonna take and have 
super big gains in the gym, but it'll make you healthier. When you're healthier, you feel better. When you feel better, you train harder. And it just kind of carries on down the line. Um, you know, you can get into various specific stuff depending on the person's, you know, competitor or not. And if that's the case, like, you can you can really tailor your supplement plan. You can start getting more specific stuff like, you know, branched-chain aminos or, like, intra-workout carbs if, if they're chaining a lot. But for the for the most people, they can they can get away with this, you know, eating good food and, you know, I think creatine is something that a lot of people can benefit from and fish oil for the, just for the, the brain and inflammation purpose and probiotics because everybody can use good digestion. Okay, sounds good. Here's a common one. I know uh, Gary has a lot of trouble with this one. Tips for dealing with cramps during training. Now in the humidity, as we were just talking about before we went on the air, uh, people often underhydrate, or if they do hydrate, they just hydrate. Uh, I'd say with pure water, right? And, and there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with with uh, just drinking regular water. But one way you could increase the absorption of that water is to add a little minerals to it. So, like something as simple as sea salt. Put a few like uh, few pinches of sea salt in your water, and it will it'll 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 change things. Um, you know, sea salt is very high in mineral content, very naturally, and it's cheap. It's like probably the cheapest form of an electrolyte drink you'll find, and it does wonders for people. Um, you know, if you if you have a gallon of water, like a lot of guys carry around, I, I've seen like a quarter teaspoon been about right for people. Uh, and that just, this helps you absorb the water. Um, you know, some people on the other end, they don't drink any water, <laughs> barely. Yeah. So make sure the water you do drink, you absorb. And you can, you know, there is some electrolyte tabs out there and things like that, like Noon. I think one's called Noon. That one's not, not too bad. Uh, but always start with the basics. You know, if something as simple as sea salt in your water makes a difference and why it's cheap and why you have to go any further, you know, keep it simple. Uh, and just sip on it. You know, make make a conscious effort to 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 drink water. You know, it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be like a cup an hour or whatever. Just you know, small sips throughout the day, and just just try to keep yourself as hydrated as you can when you're training too. You know, keep it keep it going, just nice and steady throughout the training session. You should be all right. You know, if you find yourself Get to that point where you're going to cramp and you know, back off a little bit, put some water in you. But I think sea salt is probably one of the one of the best things I've seen. You know, going back to what we were talking about with people cutting weight and all that stuff, athletes are notorious for cutting sodium for some reason because they think it helps them retain water and stuff. And when you don't you know, sodium, you're going to cramp real fast. <laughs> Yeah, that that does make sense. Um, I've never done the sea salt in water. Um, at the levels you're talking about, um, can you taste it, or is it, does it change the way the water tastes a little bit? No, I mean, no. If you do the quarter teaspoon in a gallon, it doesn't it doesn't taste much different. Um, if you do it like in a you know, if you have just like a standard water bottle, and you put a pinch in there, you might. But you could. That's up to you. You know, some people don't mind the the taste of it. Some people. They don't want to know what's there, so they'll go even less of a concentration. But the the key is just to try to absorb that water. You know, like 
people just you can just slam water all day, which are absorbent. It's like doing it's like a food, right? So yeah. little minerals in there, you know, like spring water, for example, it's always like high in mineral content. Um, so they say like it helps you absorb it. You can do this. You can make your own mineral water, so to speak, with adding you know things like sea salt. Okay, on to the next question: What should I eat before a competition? <laughs> uh, for for a competition, the number one rule is, is don't change anything. <laughs> So if you've uh, been eating a certain way before leading up to the tournament, keep it. Uh, you don't want to change anything for, for a couple reasons. One is you know, nerves and stress of the competition can do some funky things to people's digestion. You don't want to throw something new in there. Um, so one is to keep it keep it status quo. But if you're looking to, if we backtrack this and like, you're looking to build like a routine, let's say like you know eight, twelve weeks out before your competition. You know, again, I would start like the couple of days before. Actually, is, is when you would start eating some starch. You know, getting getting some good glycogen stores going. If you're not trying to cut too much weight, you know, you can start with something simple like white rice. So start building up. You know, maybe you eat a cup or two of white rice every night with dinner. You know. Then the night before, same thing. So you at least have some, you know, some stores in the morning, uh, fats and protein. And then, you know, during competition, it's, it, it's tricky. Some, you know, some people can't stand the thought of eating or drinking anything in between matches or at a tournament. Others have iron stomachs and don't care. <laughs> so that again that's going to be individual i wouldn't i wouldn't stick to anything too extreme as far as uh as far as any of the macronutrients so i wouldn't i wouldn't do super high fat stuff cuz that might mess with people's stomach you know super high sugars you're going to get weird insulin spikes and a ton of like heavy proteins same thing so if you need something to eat in between you look at like the middle ground of that so maybe you do something like a you know, like a cliff bar or something that's like got a little bit of everything, but it's not too heavy. It's not too, it's not going to weigh you down. Uh, some people like, like fruits or things like that. You don't, you don't want to like have a, you know, burger in between or something like that. <laughs> uh, but you, you do need something, you know, especially, uh, we had some guys that went out to the world, you know, and it, it was pretty interesting to, well, a couple of purple belts, uh, blue belts, and, you know, those divisions are so big. They're, you're looking at, like, 100 guys, if I, want, if I remember correctly, right around there for those divisions, like middleweights. So you're, that is a whole different world. You know, you're fighting seven, eight matches in one day. So you're going to have to figure, you're going to have to start playing around if you are, like, yeah. a high-level competitor. Um that is going to be going into those, those, those deep waters, so to speak, like what's going to work for you. And you shouldn't wait to that competition day. Like do it maybe, uh, let's say, if you, if you, more likely if you are in that situation, you have a like a competition team you, t- you train with or those days you train really hard, start playing around with stuff because you, you're going to have to figure something out that is going to keep you recovered or as much as you can between rounds where... You're not going to upset your stomach, but you're going to have enough in the gas tank to go. And nobody those later rounds, like, everybody's pretty good, you know? It's, yeah. You just fought six, seven-minute rounds. Like, 
you're pretty good now. Those last couple matches, it, it, obviously skill is one, but it's going to be who's got who's got the gas tank and who can recover. So, you know, coconut water, PCAs, you know, there's, there's things like that that you can you can play around with. Well, that, that uh, it reminded me. I I, uh, I ran a marathon a few years ago, and and I did some half marathons before that. But um, when I was training, I learned that you can't do the whole thing without eating something during the race. And uh, like, wow, you run out of energy. You you actually need some intake, and and that reminded me, like, you know, you have a long day. You're you're having a ton of matches in a tournament. You're gonna have to eat sometime uh, in order to to perform well. So that uh, kind of reminded me of that. Um, next question on the list: How do I improve my flexibility? People need to understand between the difference between flexibility and mobility. So, to me, when someone says flexibility, uh, it, it's just some. It, I'm thinking the ability of like the length of a muscle. So, like my hamstrings are tight. Uh, now, flexibility just because you have, let's say, you can touch your toes or you can, you know, do some sort of crazy you know, stretch or whatever, it doesn't mean you have good mobility. So I think mobility, it's a bigger, it, it is a bigger, uh, bigger bang for your buck. Uh, you want to be able to, you want your joints to be able to move to a full range of motion with control or with stability. I think it is a better way to look at it. So what stability, stability is basically having strength through a full range of motion. So you want mobility in your joints as opposed to thinking about flexibility in your muscles. Now, there, you, people can argue like back and forth which system is better to do it, but you want your joints to be able to move in a full range of motion with strength when needed, right? So in jiu-jitsu, when someone's stacking you on top of your head, you want your lumbar and you want your spine to be able to bend and you want your, you know, or your, yeah. your neck to be enough to kind of withstand some of it. So as far as that goes, uh, you know, a lot of we were talking about earlier with the Maxwell stuff, like just you know, moving your joints through full ranges of motion, uh, not really like doing static movements. So to use the old term, like dynamic movements, right? Like get your hips moving, get get your joints, everything, your your ankles, your wrists, your hands, your fingers, like just get your joints moving, shoulders in as many ranges as possible with control. So you'll, where you'll see that is if you, uh, let's say a uh, um, bodyweight squat, you do bodyweight squat and you'll look down and you'll see your knee do some kind of funky wobble thing. So are you, you have the flexibility, let's say, to get down there. Maybe you have the mobility to get down there, but you don't have the strength or the stability in that motion. So that's where problems are gonna happen. So I think using some sort of, you know, joint mobility and then developing strength in that, you know, uh, you know, Kerry Starr from the, the Supple Leopard, he's had a lot of great mobility exercises that, that take the joint through full range of motion or put it back where it should be. A lot of his stuff with the voodoo floss is great. And all it is is really to bring motion to the joint. So I think a, a better way to look at the, flexibility pictures to think is to look at the movement of your joints instead of like individual muscles we all love jiu-jitsu and and one of our goals is to yeah get better and to and to do certain things with you but to do it for a long time and when you're speaking about the uh 
mobility. I think that really helps with uh, doing this when we're old people, you know, when, when I don't know how old old people is, but when, you know, when I'm 80 or 90 or if I make it that long, I want to still be able to get around and roll around a little bit, you know, and, and mobility is a yeah. huge factor in that. Yeah, you, you, there's two things that play, you know, play a role. One is, is having strength. So, you know, going back to that strength piece, you want to be, you know, having, having movement or being flexible without strength is a big disservice because you have no strength in that range of motion. So if you get there or if someone puts you there, you don't have that strength to, to protect you. So you can be the most flexible, mobile person in the world, but without the, the strength in that position, it's going to do you no good. So one is, for the longevity piece we were talking about, is to have really you know good muscle tissue, like to be strong. Now, strong is relative, right? You're not a powerlifter, but to have strength through movement, like to be strong while you're moving, I yeah. think is going to play a long, I'm sorry, play a big role in longevity. Well, great answer there. Um, next question on the list is uh, they, they want to know your thoughts on training twice a day or multiple times per day. Most most of the high-level competitors are do it. You know, I think it's a it's a necessary evil, so to speak. I think it could be done in, in relatively safely for short periods of time. So I, if you look at the, the football model, um, football players practice twice a day. Yeah. But the, the missing piece is they only do that for a few short weeks during their training camp. And the other side of it is uh, one practice is maybe a little bit lighter, and it's not every day. You know, uh, of a week, usually Monday is kind of like a film walkthrough thing. Friday is usually similar, and then game Saturday, Sunday, or whatever, or rest. So they do it, but it's for a short period of time, and the intensity is very. So if you're training competition intensity level twice a day, you know, depending on your age, like you can get away with it for for a short period of time. You can't, you shouldn't be doing that for years, <laughs> even months maybe. But here and there, it's not, it's not too bad. Uh, if you have uh, the ability to recover from it. So if you're working full time and you're trying to get two sessions in a day or you're doing maybe like some people do like two classes back to back and the next day you're just a wipe and there's really... There's really no point. You're better off doing one session really good every day than as opposed to twice one day and then you don't come back for four days, you know. Uh, so you can do it. You can do it for short periods of time. Uh, the, my advice would be to, to to alter the intensities. So maybe do one hard session, one like lighter or drilling session, or one you know training session, one strength conditioning session. Just Try not to do two hard sessions on the same day. Sounds good. And I, and I had never thought of that, that, you know, the football players, if, if training twice a day uh, year-round uh, made them uh, amazing, uh, even more of an amazing athlete, they'd do it, but they, they're they not doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, next question on the list here. Uh, what muscle groups are generally used more for, for offense or for defense? Are there certain, do they break down differently? 
to know. Uh, so looking at like let's say defensive uh, defensive submissions. Okay, so you're caught in an armbar. You're caught in a you know chokes. Maybe a little different. Let's say any kind of like arm arm attack. Maybe some of the leg attacks too. Your your joint is essentially at the its end range. Yeah. Also, the submissions are done, you know, in, where the joint is basically at an end range, so like fully lengthened. Um, and you know, obviously, there's exceptions to it, but that's ultimately what it does. It gets the joint to a, plot, a spot where it has a mechanical disadvantage, and it's hard to fight out of. So, if you don't have, you know, strength in those end ranges, you're obviously going to be at a little bit more disadvantage. Or if you don't have the ability to catch that end range. You're gonna be able. You're gonna be forced to tap sooner than you would. Uh, like at that, the classic one is the shoulder example with the big guys that you just grab the kimura and they tap because they're, they're, the pressure is so much on their shoulder. Uh, so you you're gonna stress your muscles, so to speak, in, in defending submissions at their end range, which is obviously the most. You know, it's not an ideal situation. You're also, like, let's say you're defending guard passes or something like that. You might be doing a little more pushing than pulling. Or maybe you're trying to frame a little bit more. Um, offensive, a lot of, let's say, like, chokes, things like that are all pulling. Um, even, like, triangles, I guess, would be considered pulling with your legs. So it's looking at uh, the two, the yin-yang of it, right? So you got... You're attacking, so one, you're in control. That's a big piece of it too. Is is you're the one that's dictating the pace. So you you can react, or you can you can get your grip, so you can do whatever on your terms. <laughs> you know, when you're fighting out of a arm lock, yeah, it's it's really not up to you anymore. <laughs> you know, it, it you're uh, you're fighting for dear life at a with a limb that's extended fully out. Um, so I don't think there's a big difference as far as like. You know, specific muscles, but I think it's it's the position of which your joints are in. You know, when you're when you're applying a submission, you're at the advantage. When you're in a submission, you're at the disadvantage or you're at a mechanical disadvantage. You're not supposed to be strong in those positions. If that makes sense. Yeah. So, and you, it, you know, can you get super strong with your arm fully extended out enough to like resist an armbar? Like, you know. I don't want to say never because there's always those people out there that will like, you know, maybe get some, some super strong dude or whatever that can just like wiggle his way out. But you're not supposed to be strong in those positions. So as far as like a training program or anything like that, like you just want to make sure you do have some, you do have the ability to get to that position from, uh, from a safety standpoint. You want to have a little bit of strength in there, so you hope, like, if you do get caught in something, you just have enough strength in that in that uh, position to keep your joint intact while the person's applying the submission. Yeah, and, that, and then most of the the offensive stuff comes down to uh, being in almost a the shortened position or like maybe mid range, but also being able to to isometrically contract or squeeze for a while. So you're going to do more like like a triangle, right? You got to sit there. It's like some people just take longer to choke. So you're basically doing uh, an isometric with your, with your, you know, core legs, pretty much everything, to be honest. So you're, you'll get a little more, you'll have to use a little more 
holding strength, so to speak, using uh, we are trying to finish people. Yeah, it's um, you, you said earlier that you know when you're in this mission, you're at the disadvantage. Your muscles aren't strong in those positions. That's the way it's designed. You know, that's part of the the beauty yeah, of yeah. jiu-jitsu. It's, it's that's, that's that's a good thing, I think, for if you're on the offense. You know, um, going to the next question: If somebody can only roll twice a week, uh, what off the mat training would you recommend? So can roll twice a week. Uh- If they have the option to do uh, to do a few days a week of strength training, you know they can work up to. They could probably do three days a week without really doing too much damage if their their lifestyle and all that stuff fits uh, adds up. I would do if they're let's say we'll look at a competitor. So if they're a competitor, off the days are they're not in the jitsu mat or so they're not on the jitsu mat. The other days they're going to be doing very specific jiu-jitsu type uh, like circuits to mimic matches. So if they're, let's say they're purple belt, seven minute rounds, they'll do stuff in seven minute blocks, maybe seven minutes of Turkish get-ups, maybe seven minutes of sled pulling, maybe, uh, you know, if they have like a training dummy or something, you do seven minutes of guard passing drills, like just trying to mimic the jiu-jitsu movements for the same amount of time they would use if they're they're competing or they're leading up to a competition. If they're not a competitor or they're, you know, further away from a competition, then I would do one day focus on on upper body movements, one day focus on lower body movements, relatively heavy, and then a, the third day could be a mix. So you're going to do like a speed or a conditioning type workout where you take, you know, sub-maximal weight but you move it for either with a lot of speed or for a longer period of time. Sounds like a plan and it, and it does depend on, um, you know, what your goals are. It, it, it's a tough thing to be a competitor only being able to train uh, twice a week on the mat, but uh, people do it. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and, and if you're smart about it when you're there and, and you do your off the mat training, um, it, it, it has been done. Yeah, the big, you know, big advice I can give to people that are, you know, looking at this from the outside that don't have a background and they may look at a program and be like, oh, this is great. Uh, so for this, for the question with the, what the guy should do in the off, uh, his other days away from the mat, most training programs need to incorporate all the, the fundamental movement patterns. So, you know, Dan John talks a lot about this and some of the other guys. And they might have a little variation of it here and there, but it all comes down to you have to push something, you know, both horizontal and vertical. You have to pull something. You have to squat. You have to hinge. You have to carry something heavy, like weighted carries, and some sort of, you know, you know, trunk or, or core work, so to speak. So as long as you have, like, something that addresses each of those elements, you're at least in a heading down a good road. You know, cool. If you look at a program, you're, everything is pushing, and I'm like, wait, I don't see any pulling, then you're like, okay, maybe I should add some pulling. So you just you just need to be smart with with, with it, you know, and, and really look, like, what am I missing from this program? Is this program addressing, one, what I need, and then two, is there a movement pattern that I'm not looking at? 
Yeah, yeah, very smart way to train there. Um, here's one that I'm curious about. Uh, does the training mask, the, you know, that mask that you put over and restricts your breathing, does the training mask work? Oh, man, that's that's an interesting one, too. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, let's look at this from a few different uh, perspectives. Okay. But the theory is it helps elevate, like, um, you know, red blood cell count, or the theory of, like, training elevation, like, where, you know, Colorado, where the Olympic Training Center is, things like that. So first is the training mask, you probably shouldn't even touch it unless you have a really big base under your system. So unless you've been training for a while and doing a ton of, you know, strength conditioning, you're, you just max everything else out yeah. to get you in shape. And that's like the last resort as far as is my opinion. Like you need to like max everything else out. And then be like, okay, maybe I should have this. Because they're, one, not everybody has one, right? And two, you want to try to train as minimally as possible as far as equipment-wise. Like, you know, you don't need a training mask. Like, some people see it and they think, oh, I need this to get in better shape. You don't. You know, what you need to do is max everything else out. And if you if you think that's something that's going to add a different variable, now, then down the road... You know, you can mess with it for that aspect of it. Like, you know, you, they, people always say you should change your exercise routine or your, your training program frequently or whatever, right? You know, adding something like that would create another variable you could add in. But you shouldn't be doing that until you have, uh, until you have basically capped out everything else. And the other, the other thing is the, you know, I, I don't know if they're, what the, the studies are, are saying about the effects on the red blood cell count or you know, the increased oxygen from the red blood cell count using the mask. Um, it's going to, I'm drawing a blank, but I, I, I thought one of the reasons the, the elevation stuff works for, for the athletes of the Olympic training center was the fact that they're sleeping in elevation as opposed to just training in the elevation. Yeah. Um, you know, I, sure I could dig it up somewhere, but I remember I I read so much stuff now, I do remember coming across something to that effect where it had more to do with the actual sleeping and elevation, um, which, because I know they do, some people do have, like, chambers, I guess, I think, I don't see it, that they sleep in, basically, that's supposed to simulate, uh, I think Diego actually does that, that helps simulate that, actually, uh, the same effects. So, again, then you got to go buy this, like, chamber to sleep in, you know? Um, I don't, I, to be honest, like, I think you can find a million ways to get tired, you know, that are going to be way cheaper and probably more effective than, than wearing a mask. Yeah, it's just, a, I don't know, I, I see some people um, have used them and and uh, I don't, it, it's hard to tell if, if someone's, if it's affecting them mentally or um or if they're the right person, like you said, it's for the person who is already doing everything else. It's it's for the athletes you do see on TV that are like in extreme, uh, you know, shape, and they want to just go like make it a little bit harder or do something like that. But um, yeah, you you don't you're also needing you know you. Let's look at a conditioning example and for jiu-jitsu. Let's say you're doing uh, guard passing or something. Let's say you're doing like a knee slide pass. Yeah. Now, the, the goal of your drill 
is to get as fast as you can or get conditioned as, as, as well as you can in that pattern, right? So every rep you, de- you do needs to be as fast as you could possibly do it. So if you have something that's like, let's say, restricting your your air, your, your speed, that you can't do it as fast, you're not getting the benefits like trying to sprint for a minute, right? You can't sprint for a minute. You know, most people can't will die after the first 20 seconds, right? You, yeah. you literally cannot sprint as fast as you can. You're going to run out of, like, you know. So the point of, of a sprint is to move as fast as you can, right? The point of that drill is to move as fast as you can, not to get yourself, like, exhausted with it. It's to build that, like, speed in that, rep- you know, each repetition is fast in your knee slide. So you, you're all, you're, I guess it's kind of, like, counterintuitive, right? Like, you don't need it, like. You're not trying to get in really good shape. You're trying to drill, you know, this position, this position with timing, with speed, with like precision. It's not to get yourself like tired. So that that that's just my you know my take on it. And I know some people get really they use them, they get results from them. You know, I think it's just you just kind of look at where you're at and what you're what you're doing. If you're just started jujitsu and you got a lot of other stuff to worry about. You know, maybe you're getting ready for the world championships and you figure out a way to, to tax yourself a little bit more than, you know, that could, that could probably be an option to use. Yeah. It's, I, I've never used one and, uh, I don't have no desire to get one, but, um, uh, being a firefighter, being a firefighter, I've, you know, have the air pack on and have a mask on and, uh, it's not supposed to be restrictive, but you know, if you're working hard enough, uh, you're pushing that thing to the to to what it could give you, and uh, it's it's uncomfortable not get, being able to get the air you want to get um, when you want it, and it and it, and it might change things a little bit uh, mentally, maybe I don't know, but uh, yeah, maybe it, maybe they use it for mental um, to build like mental you know mental strength. That's that's a not a possibility too. But uh, I don't. I don't know. Maybe I should try it uh, sometime just to see what it's like. But uh, yeah, I, I do think yeah, you're onto something about the sleeping and, and just being in that higher elevation all the time um, will yeah. help your body. Um, we can't all have that, I guess. We don't all live there, so that's why they put the Olympic training camp in, in Colorado in uh, Colorado Springs. I think they have some of the wrestlers up in the Midwest. I think by in Michigan, by Central Michigan. I think there's, uh, some of the Olympic Greco guys are up there. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> On to the next question. Um, do you have any uh, advice or tips for uh, helping you recover after your training? Yeah. So, uh, recovering after training, most important thing. So first is is to get some fluids back in you. So if you if you had a, regardless of how hard the session was, you want to get some fluid back in you. Water with the sea salt's great. Some people like coconut water, whatever it is. Just try to get some fluid right away, um, and then do some some type of decompression or just relaxing before you start rushing out of the gym. And just let your body chill. Whether it's I mean, like most YouTube schools, I'm sure people kind of sit around and like talk a little bit after and just kind of you know, BS a little bit. Yeah, you know, get on the ground like. You know, you can lay flat, like, in, in, in yoga. You could lay in your stomach or just put your feet up. You know, just kind of let the blood flow and everything. Just let, let your heart rate kind of slow. 
that might not be a bad time to do some some mobility stuff. Just something to bring your your body down a little bit. You know, we're we're very jujitsu is a as relaxing as it is. It's also very stimulating. You know, like someone's trying to armbar you or whatever. You know, or choke you. Like it's it, it's a gentle art, but it's also you know is it you can you leave pretty wired for the most part. You know, so giving yourself that opportunity to to calm down will play uh, will play a huge role in the recovery. You know, you're you're setting the stage, so to speak. And then get something in. Some people, some people like whole food after. Uh, you know, they like to eat regular a regular meal. Some people like to drink something like a you know a protein shake. I think it all depends on what you can handle. Um, definitely, if you are training, I will say this: if you are training, uh, if it's if it's a person that's training twice a day, you're, you might want to go with the liquid meal just because the the absorption rate's a lot faster. Yeah. Yeah, that that I definitely would would advise if you are, you know, training really hard multiple times a day. Uh, after that first session, you you do need to get some sort of liquid nutrition in you, and then, you know, protein, carbs. As far as ratios go, you'll you'll drive yourself crazy. <laughs> you know, people, you know, the four to one ratio is one that's thrown around a lot, and and it's awesome if you have if you're the type of person that wants the exact exact number but for 99% of the people they just need a little bit of proteins carbohydrates after just enough to hold them over you know until they can eat again or get home or whatever it is you know you don't have to drive yourself you know nuts over it just make sure you get some sort of protein some sort of carbohydrates in for the competitor if you want to you know a couple recommendations would be like a whey isolate it's pretty it's pretty fast absorbing with uh, some sort of car powder, like I don't know if anybody ever uses waxy maize anymore. You know, that's a little bit older. Um, any type of what's you uh, cans, another decent one they use. It's like a, I think it's like a higher weight molecular starch, where it just kind of absorbs a little bit better. Something like that. You know, you can find all kinds of car powder. You can do coconut. Uh, you can do coconut water. You can do banana with it. Like. Just, just something to refuel yourself uh, a little bit faster, so you can have enough. Uh, you can start the repair process for your next session. Sounds good. Uh, one last question before we wrap up here. Um, a little different question. Um, what apps for your phone uh, do you recommend uh, that could help you with your uh, strength and conditioning training? There's some, there's some good ones out there now. Uh, I do like the, the HRV stuff, the heart rate variability apps. Uh, the only one I, I personally used was the, you know, the BioForce from Joel Jameson. I think he was like, he was probably one of the original ones. I had it way back when you had to have a little like card reader on top. <laughs> so I've, I've had that one for a while. And they, they just, uh, I know they have a Bluetooth version now that I'm using that is great, you know. So I, I do think. That one's great. There's the Omega Wave now. Um, Fitbit's got some stuff. Uh, if you don't, if you're not the type of person that likes to track like the heart rate stuff, any type of like Notepad or like Evernote kind of thing will be beneficial to 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 help you keep notes on your training. So you can track your you can track your progress you know, very well with something as simple as that. 
um, just like putting your workouts in there every day and then even putting your training in, you know, you track everything, track your jiu-jitsu, put uh, how many minutes you was class or maybe how many rounds you did, you know, something. And you can start to pick up patterns. You know, the the, the tracking is not just for, uh, not just something to do. It provides a tool to help guide your training. So if you start to see, um, like, what maybe your your weights go down or you're, you're like, oh, I rolled five rounds today, felt kind of awful. You can look back, okay, what did I do the day before? You know, you can, you can kind of uh, troubleshoot yourself. So you don't need to have like a fancy, you know, fancy app or anything. You know, some, most phones have some sort of notes app on it. Something like that is great. If you are the type that wants, you know, a lot of data and, and numbers, then I would go with some, uh, like a heart rate variability app or I think uh, Omega Way is good. The BioForce is good. I know there's a bunch of other ones out there now. Um, I'm, I'm reminded my uh, my wife likes her um, her app that she she keeps track of her workouts in, and it's um it's like it seems like it's a motivating thing because she wants to put it in uh, the workout she did every day, and so she's not going to miss a day because she doesn't want that to be blank. And then uh, she has another. Oh, yeah, she has, and you can do that with any. With Evernote's a great one for that. Um, but uh, she also has an app that she scans things that she eats. And just that little barcode, it somehow it knows what it is, and you put in how much you ate, and it's kind of a way that she keeps track of what she um, is eating or not eating or whatever. And uh, I don't know, that might be something that yeah, I don't know what that's called, but yeah, there's a My Fitness Pal, I think, does something similar to that, and that's that's a, that's a good tool you can use too if you're you can kind of spot check yourself. You know, you can track things for for a few days and to see. Where you're, if you're overeating, undereating, things like that, um, those can definitely be helpful. And also, the accountability factor like you're saying, like you put it in, it, it holds you accountable for it. Uh, you almost feel guilty if you don't. Yeah, it goes back to saying your answer earlier. Uh, it's, it's the strength and conditioning program that you're going to stick with and, and actually do is uh, is the best one for you. Yeah, you. You can drive yourself. You can drive yourself crazy with all the stuff out there now. <laughs> you know, there's, they, it, you know, so it, it's definitely a really cool time because there is so much information out there. It's just, you know, you know, good information or you know, bad information in the wrong hands is is asking for for disaster. You know, we have we have really easy access to some very like brilliant minds. You know, like never before like you could see, you know, you could sign up for. Kelly starts like mobility thing and see Kelly showing you different, you know, mobility exercises and you could, you know, you can go to, you know, Mark Bell, you know, he's a really good power lifter and watch him explain how he does a deadlift. You know, we have really cool, really cool tools, but people don't know how to use them and, or people use them the wrong way. You know, they're, they're looking at how a power lifter is training for jujitsu, you know, or, you know, they have, they'll drive themselves crazy and have 17 different, like, tracking apps, you know, but they won't ever actually, they won't actually work out hard enough to make a difference, you know? Like, it doesn't yeah. matter what you're doing. If your program isn't good, you can you can track it all you want. 
Yeah, it's just like watching all the YouTube videos of Jiu-Jitsu. If you don't actually get in there and do them, uh, they're not going to do you any good at all. Yeah. And what, what speaking of the apps, one thing I, I do find interesting is some of the sleep tracker stuff. I, you know, I, I think that, that is kind of a cool wave uh, of technology coming in, just ways to check, like, how well you're sleeping, yeah. whether it's through, like, a questionnaire or through, I know the Omega Wave and Rest Wise, I believe, is the other one that they they look at a, a couple factors, like, a, like they ask you questions, and then there's, it's either based off your phone or device or something, and it tries to track, like, how long you were in each wave of sleep or each stage of sleep. Uh, I I do think that'd be really interesting to have a look at for, for jiu-jitsu guys, especially the guys that train really late at night, to see if, like, if you're having trouble, like, if your body is still wired or you're having trouble calming down, like, how it's affecting your sleep. That would be interesting. You could compare it. Um, you know, the days you train versus the days you don't, how well you sleep that night. That, uh, yeah. That is an yeah, interesting that, idea. That's something that I've been like, you know, I, I've heard it from some of the guys at, at the gym that, you know, they have trouble settling down after after training. Uh, so they train late at night. We have a class that starts at 8, so it's like 8 to 9.30. So, you know, sometimes you're, sometimes they have a hard time falling asleep after that. So that, that's something that I've been, you know, talking with them about. Maybe we start looking at, tracking their sleep and then seeing what ways what you know different you know supplement nutrition or different like heavy like some deep tissue like foam rolling to help calm the body down before they go to bed like just you know there's there's all different ways you can head but with with that piece you have a really uh, you have a better picture of where to go yeah that uh if you track it you can figure out like we started off it, it's it's uh it's individual, you know, largely, uh, you know, fitness and, and, and your own goals and, and your body. And, but, uh, same thing for sleep. You track it for a little while, figure out what works best for you, and then go with that program. It sounds like is it, the, the apps and the smartphones might be a, a good tool, um, to help keep you, keep you on with that and, and see what's good for yourself. Yeah. Well, it's been a lot of fun, Sam, talking with you about all this, uh, strength and conditioning, all these questions we've had in here. Um, I think we got a lot of great answers out of you, and I really appreciate you being on here. Thank you. Thank you. It's fun. You know, we don't have a, a ton of, of guests come on uh, twice, so uh, uh, really happy to get you back on your, your first episode. If somebody has missed that one, go back and hear that and go back and listen to that one and uh, and see why uh, there was such a demand to get you back on the show. So uh, thanks for being on again, Sam, and I uh, look forward to talking with you in the future. Thank you. I appreciate it. I hope everybody gets gets something out of this and then you guys are able to start applying it to your training. All right. Sounds good. Have a good one. Thanks. You too. I want to thank Sam Spiegelman uh, for uh, sitting with me for so long and, and going over all those questions and uh, getting the information out there to everybody. Uh, one that hit home with with me and Gary here was was how to get rid of cramps. And, you know, and, you're rolling for a long time. Your muscles are going to cramp up. And Byron will tell you it happens to me a lot. I will... Uh, I will be on bottom uh, side control. Somebody's got side control on me on the bottom, and I got my leg kicking out, and everybody's like, what's he trying to do, a jailbreak escape? <laughs> no, I'm grabbing my toes and pulling my foot back to uh, stop my cramp in my calf. So I've been, he, he, you know, the advice, put a little bit of sea salt in your water. This interview took place a, a little while ago, a couple weeks back, and I've been doing that. You know, I just just a little pinch of sea salt oh, in Oh, so you've been hiding this from me. Oh, I haven't told anybody. 
haven't told anybody. And you know, yeah. I don't know how. I don't get a lot of cramping, but I do know. You know, when you sweat, if a little gets in your mouth, it's salty. You're losing yeah. that salt yeah. as you as you work out and sweat. Let's replace a little bit. I'm just I'm putting like a basically like a dash of salt, and I don't know if it's enough to matter. I can't taste it. But yeah. uh, I think it helps, you know, like I'm doing it because I think it's a, a helpful thing. So uh, maybe just mentally it's helping me, but um, it's got to be helping me. And when you think about as you are told you're going to cut, you know, I'm going to cut weight, you cut out salt because salt makes you hold water. So yeah. the salt helps you um, hold some water. It's obviously not drinking ocean water salt because that would dehydrate you, but a little bit of salt will help you hold some water in your system. So that was interesting. And, and Gary, I hope you start doing that, man. Yeah, I, I'm going to try it. I mean, uh can't hurt and it's only gonna help me so yep. gary does these epic rolls that are 30 minutes long and you get another guy another 30 minutes and after about nine of those his legs start cramping up so yeah but when byron's saying 30 minutes he thinks he means three minutes <laughs> <laughs> so this has been a fun episode supported by the listeners you know a lot of questions sent in if you want to uh send us a, a question a comment or or just a what's up guys you know we're, i'm happy to hear the podcast the best way to do that is btjbrick at gmail.com and another way to do that is on our Facebook page send us a, a message on there like a little instant message on Facebook uh, the BJ Brick Facebook page and we, we like seeing those as well two quality ways to get a hold of the, the gentleman at the BJJ Brick podcast yep. hey and if you really want to get a hold of the two gentlemen at the BJJ Brick podcast and have our picture all the time you need a BJJ Brick Gi Patch that is, uh, has a picture of Byron, uh, and myself as I'm about ready to get smashed by a brick while I'm going for a microphone joke on Byron. That's uh, the Gi Patch there. But, um, if you go on to uh, iTunes or Stitcher Radio, give us a review. Hopefully we earned a five star review and make the review funny. We like the funny reviews. Um, definitely it'll help out the show with a review and then send us an email either on Facebook and tell us that was you or on uh, bjgbrick at gmail.com. Tell us it was you. That way we know who it is and that way we can send out, uh, the geek patch to you. And please right now we can only send them. Uh, for free in the United States. We just uh, are poor podcasters, so we don't have the extra money. But uh, definitely we'd love to uh, see you support or support us by uh, wearing our patch. And then secondly, um, we're right here in the great Midwest. Uh, so if you happen to be uh, traveling through the Midwest, either for vacation, for work, uh, you just got out of jail and you're in the Midwest, uh, um, we're in Wichita, Kansas, uh, the heart of the United States. Uh, send us a message and uh, we'd be happy to train with you. Absolutely. And those ways, the email or the Facebook page, will fit. If we're able to fit in our schedule, we'll be happy to get on the mat with you and uh, do a little bit of rolling. Rolling, rolling, rolling. you got to keep those mats rolling, man. <laughs> um, episode 100 is coming up. It's right around the corner, just a few weeks away. If you want to participate, uh, episode 100 is going to be uh, listeners uh, contributing how BJJ has helped them. So... Um, how you know how, if you've lost weight? If it's given you confidence? If you have a story about how it's you know affected you or or anything like that? Uh, take your phone, put it on the uh, little micro microphone mode where you could record a little voice memo, record an MP3 file, and email it to bjbrick at gmail dot com. In the subject line, put episode hundred or one hundred, uh, and uh, we'll be happy to use it. If you can't. Um, or that's, that's not an option to record your own MP3. Uh, let me know uh, at our email address. Just 
title it episode 100, uh, and I'll be happy to get a hold of you and record a little segment with you about five minutes long. We, you know, that's our goal is to get a, get a few of these, get quite a few of these, and, and compile them and have a variety of of benefit stories about jujitsu, and it really be like a commercial for uh, the benefits of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So, and there are a lot fun. of benefits, but pretty cool. We we definitely can't wait for that episode. It's kind of neat to uh, episode 100, kind of a big deal. So uh, we'd like to uh, share it with our listeners. Yes, absolutely, and, and uh, happy to have uh, our listeners join the show and um, learn a little bit about, a little more about who you are. That's going to be fun. Definitely. Gary, we are towards the end of the show. They've heard about the email list. They've heard about the email or the um, audiobook we have for sale. Now they want to know what you've, what you've been cooking up. What have I been cooking up? Are you trying to say I'm a meth dealer, Byron? No, man. I thought you might, you know, making brownies or something special like that. Oh, okay. You... Oh, special brownies. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm a pot dealer. Oh, so. man. Moving to Colorado. <laughs> Just one state away. Well, Byron, you're, uh, uh, you're my manager. What do I got cooking up? Well, actually, you've been working hard on an audiobook. Uh, I know that's, that's true. Um, the title of it, Gary, it always seems like it's a surprise to you. I don't know why you forget the titles of your book and what they're about, but uh, here we go. The title of your audiobook is going to be called Stains, Dealing with the Real and Psychological Effects of Losing Hundreds of Food Fights. It's a different kind of fight this time, Gary, but you've evidently been in and lost hundreds of food fights. But you know, the cool thing, um, what I've got going for me is we're talking about food fights, but we're really talking about the stains. The good thing about jiu-jitsu is I deal with stains all the time. Blood stains on the gi, brown stains when you get choked unconscious. So I know how to take care of that. I mean, so I spent my younger years in food fights, which then I have translated the, the stain removal process over to jiu-jitsu. I will tell you this, my friends. One word. OxyClean. <laughs> the power of oxygen in your hands. <laughs> That's all you need to know. And we'll put a link to OxyClean on, the, on our site. Oxygen is great, man. I'm breathing it right now. <laughs> and I, if it can clean my clothes, that's great too. Yes. But uh, Gary, um, what is the the best food for long range food fights? You know, I kind of like carrots. The way they're <laughs> aerodynam- aerodynamically, you can throw it like a football. You got to get the spiral on it, but it'll work. Wow, I, I never thought about it. That you got to. You know, that's, you need to have goggles on if people are throwing carrots at you, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I've actually seen people speared through their heart. It's happened before, my friends. <laughs> what grade was that in? Well, third. Oh, man. Yeah. That's, that's when the kids get a little bit stronger to where they get throw harder. Well, actually, they cheated and they made a titanium carrot. That man. was the I stabbed a guy with a trident. What's that movie from? Where that, <sighs> what's that quote from? You don't know? I didn't see that one. No, no. That was Anchorman. Oh, Oh, so that that's Gary's audiobook is coming up here any week, any time, right? What do you think, Gary? A few days away? Yeah, I'd say no more than four or five years. Okay, good. He's he's working hard out there, and uh, yep. it's been fun. We've uh, mentioned before we've just done uh, three episodes back to back as far as Gary and I's part, and it's 
maybe got a little silly. I got, I definitely got a little worked up. I'm glad I didn't get all, all fired up about the uh, article on, uh, on the first episode. I probably would have taken that over. Yeah, we would have made it. The next ones, but, uh, yeah. But, uh, it's, it's okay to get fired up and passionate. I get passionate about something sometimes. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a sport we're passionate about. But as always, we really appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. And stay sweaty, my friends. And don't forget to shower. And as a reminder, drillers make killers. Thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all, the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, hey, speaking of going back in time, actually this has nothing to do with going back in time, <laughs> but... It's amazing. Watch how OxyClean unleashes the power of oxygen, making tough stains disappear like magic without fading or bleeding the colors. It's the stain remover for the things that you love. Add a scoop of OxyClean to every load of laundry. It'll boost the stain-removing power of your detergent. Don't just clean it. OxyClean it.